Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we're starting this new series this weekend um, called Love Rules. And I was thinking about this, how often we use that word love. Um, we use it to describe so many things in so many different levels. Um, I love sailing. You know, I love Snickers bars. Frozen Snickers bars especially, you know. I, I, love, the, I love the grilled artichoke at Rutherford Grill. You know, one of my favorites. I love sunsets. I love Maui. I love sunsets on Maui. You know? A lot of things I use to describe. I, I, love, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. That one little word is used to describe a whole gamut from, from our personal tastes to our deepest desires. All in that one little word. We use it so lightly. We use it so often. I wonder how often do we stop and think, what does that mean? Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That's the most important thing. A little bit later, he, he talked with his uh, disciples, and he, and he gave them these words. He said, listen, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now, that's not new. He had already said that. In fact, that had been a part of the mission. It had been a part for, of their belief for years. But, but he said, this is what makes it new, even as I have loved you that you should also love one another. In other words, Jesus was saying is this is the new commandment. This is the new rule for life. It is the rule of love. That's what we are called to, a new commandment, a new rule. And beginning today and for the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at love rules. What are the rules of love that make love rule? And, and, it's going to be a little bit challenging for us. In fact, it's going to be very challenging for us because we think of love and we think of warm, fuzzy feelings or maybe sicky, sweet sentimentality. And I, I, this, we were looking for a, a graphic for this whole series and when Googled love and you know, up it came on their images and it was all hearts, pink hearts, okay? Maybe some red hearts, but it was just mostly just hearts. And I go, that's not love. That's not the thing that Jesus was talking about when he said, love one another as I have loved you. So what is this love? What we're going to learn together is love is bold. Love is daring. Love is risky. Love is life-changing. More than anything else, love is just plain hard. <laughs> but we're going to learn together how to love. And what I'm excited about in this series is I know if we take this seriously, it is going to change our lives. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your relationships. I believe it will change our church if we truly understand what it means for love to rule and to follow the rules of love. And we're going to look at this one passage for the next six weeks. We're going to kind of pick it apart a little bit. Um, it's probably the most famous of all passages in Scripture on the subject of love. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13. You have probably heard this um, recited at weddings. Um, you maybe have memorized it sometime in your life. You know all the words, but what does it mean? And that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to start today, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. If you want to follow along, this is what Paul wrote. He wrote, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In that little 16-word description of love, what Paul was doing is telling us this is how love works. Or, in other words, these are the rules of love. This is what it looks like. And so in these next six weeks, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be taking apart. part. I'm going to start today with just the first two on that list. And let me say, by the way, if you are not a part of a community group, this is one of the best times to jump in. Um, because all of our community group gatherings are based on what we talk about every weekend. And so in community, you will learn how to love. And this is the best one of the best series you can get into. So, and you can just do a test drive, okay? Just six weeks, get involved in a community group um, and, and learn together this, these rules of love. Today, we're going to look at the first two, patient and kind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give, first of all, I'm going to give you a couple of definitions and then we're going to get into the practical application of it. So we're going to start with the definitions and here's what I want you to understand. Patience is the attitude. Kindness is the action. They go together. They are inseparably linked. All through Scripture, you find them coupled together. When Paul wrote to the Galatian church about the fruit of the Spirit, he talked about patience and kindness together. It's like they are two sides of the very same coin. They go together. So, so let me give you kind of some, some definitions here. Well, first of all, this is what the first thing Paul says is love is patient, love is kind. So what is that? What is patience? Well, our New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. So what we have in our Bibles is a, is a translation of that. So if like you have the old King James Version translation, um, instead of patience, it'll probably say long-suffering. Because that's actually probably a more accurate translation. The literal meaning of the word in its original language is that, that love is long-tempered. Which is the opposite of being short-tempered. Okay, so if you want to know what love, patience, that's what it is. It's not being short-tempered. It's just the opposite of that. Now, here's the thing. Patience or long-suffering, that can be about circumstances or it can be about people. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's a lot easier to be patient in certain circumstances than it is to be patient with people. <laughs> but when we're talking about love, we're talking about patience with people. And then the second word he uses is kind. Kindness in its root, it has this idea of being useful or helpful or benevolent or, or beneficial. In other words, it's to act in such a way that it helps somebody out, that, that it does something to help them in whatever it might be. And patience and kindness both have to do more with you than with the other person. Sometimes we think about patience, we think about kindness, about other people. You know, it's just it's those other people, but really it has more to do with you. It's about your inner disposition. Think of it this way. It's like a coffee cup or a glass that's been overfilled, like right to the brim. 
and, and you're, you're holding that cup very carefully as you walk across the kitchen and somebody bumps into you and jostles it and it all gets spilled out, okay? Whatever gets spilled out is what was in the cup. So my question to you is, what spills out when you get jostled? Is it patience? Is it kindness? Is it something else? See, that, that's what he's saying. This is, it's about what's in you. That's what comes to the surface when you get jostled. And, and what it is, is it, it's about, it's a it's combination. It's a between what God does in you and also how you respond to it. Paul wrote about it to the Colossian church. He wrote about it this way. He said, first of all, at the beginning, he says, we pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. He said, this is something that you can't do on your own. We are praying that God would give you by his strength and his power all the patience and endurance you need. But then just a few paragraphs later, he writes these words. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's a two-part process. It's what God does in you but it's also how you respond to it. That God will develop this in your life, but he will do it through people. He will do it through circumstances. God provides the people. God provides the opportunity. You provide the response. And that's how patience grows. Because ultimately, we are meant to be a reflection of God's character. As Christ followers, as believers, we are meant to be an extension of and an expression of his character. And one of the things about him that we find all throughout Scripture is he is both patient and kind. You find it all throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. Psalm 145 says this, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, long-tempered, and great in loving kindness. And that's what he wants to develop in you. In his book, Getting Love Right, Dallas Willard writes about this, this process of change that has to take place. And he talks about these difficult people in our lives. He says, we should not try harder to love that person, but to become the kind of person who would love them. Our aim under love is not to be loving to this or that person or in this or that situation, but to be a person possessed by love as an overall character of our lives. It is not something you choose to do, but what you choose to be. The question becomes, not just will we love them and drop our malice, but are we willing to make those changes in our thinking, willing to allow God to help us do it? It's the change that comes within. Patience is the attitude. Kindness is the action. So here we get to the application. In patience, what happens is I accept someone as they are. I accept them as they are. Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church. He wrote these words. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Now, I want to point out that little word, everyone. Okay? If you've got your notes on your piece of paper there, I want you to circle that word, everyone. If you're using it online, highlight that word, everyone. Because who are we supposed to be patient with? Everyone. Yeah. We don't get to pick and choose who we're going to be patient with. It would be a lot easier that way if we could just decide, oh, I'll be patient with this person because they're easy to be patient with, but not this guy. Forget him. No, we don't get that choice. We says be patient with everyone. Let me just show a hand this morning, okay? How many would say this morning 
that you could, if you thought about it, you could think of at least one person in your life that is either difficult, irritating, or obnoxious. Anybody got one of those in their lives? Okay. How many have more than one in your life? Okay. Two hands raised. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're all around us. By the way, if you did not raise your hand, guess what? You are that difficult person. Yeah. Actually, the truth is, if you, even if you raise your hand, and this might be hard for you to believe, you are somebody's difficult person. I know that's hard to believe because you're just so wonderful and everybody loves you, but the truth is you are somebody's difficult people. God puts those people in our lives. God put you in somebody else's life because what he's doing is he's shaping you and he's shaping them. Rick Warren calls these people EGRs. Stands for extra grace required. <laughs> yeah. It might, be, it might be on your job. It might be a coworker. It might be in your classroom. Um, it, it might be a neighbor. It might be a family member. It might be somebody in your church. But we are surrounded by difficult people. And it may not just be difficult people. It might be somebody you love who, who let you down, or disappointed you, or, or caused pain in your life, and you just want to kind of push them aside and, 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 and you know, not deal with them anymore. It might, be, it might be a family member who is struggling with an addiction, and you're just to the end of your rope. You're tired of dealing with them, and they can never get their act together, and you just want to write them off. It says, no, be patient with everyone. Accept them just the way that they are. Romans 5, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, the basis of our acceptance of other people cannot be our own standards. It cannot be our own decision. It is rooted and it is based in God's love expressed to us through Christ Jesus. God's acceptance of us expressed through Christ Jesus. It can't be our own standards. It is rooted and sourced from the acceptance, the patience, and the kindness that we have received from God. Because what happens with patience, when you're patient with somebody, what you do is you create space. You create space between you and them where God can work. And not just work on them, but also work on you. Because God uses people to shape people. And when you, when you choose to be patient, when you let God do his work, what you're doing is you're creating that space for him to do that. Because, because God shapes people with other people, that means, that means that any interaction that you have with somebody, anything that comes between you and another person is never merely a human interaction. God is in the middle of all of that. Patience gives room for him. And it turns out, that you need that difficult person in your life. You need that struggling person in your life to become all that God intends for you to be. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So the next time someone is trying your patience, just stop for a moment and ask yourself, okay, God, what do you need to change in me? What do you need to change in me? Patience, I accept people as they are. 
In kindness, I take action for their well-being. See, patience is the attitude. Kindness is the action. In, in, in kindness, what I do is I take action for their benefit, for their well-being. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? That you love one another as I have loved you. That's the rule of love. When you are patient, when you carry each other's burdens, when you are kind, you are fulfilling that rule, that law. You are letting love rule. Patience is not just putting up with or tolerating somebody. It has to manifest itself in action of kindness. And I think that is something that is sorely missing and disappearing from our culture. I look around. I mean, just look at the political process. There is anger. There is bitterness. There's hostility. There is meanness. There is coarseness. All throughout, all throughout our culture. The political process is just a reflection of what's going on throughout our society. What if, what if, I'm just imagine for a moment, if a group of people decided to be kind, to be patient, to demonstrate God's love in a very tangible way. I think people would notice that. I think that's what God God has called us as his followers to do. I think it's what he has called us as a church to do, to live by the rule of love. Kindness is simply patience in action. And the best example that we have of it is Jesus himself. Jesus was kind with everyone. He didn't care where they had been or what they had done or what brought them to him. He was simply kind to them, and that's what made him so attractive. That's why people flocked to him. And, and, and to help us understand what kindness looked like, he actually told a story. We know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a story that Jesus told. In fact, it's actually he told the story because he was asked that question, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it says that the person who asked him the question, wanting to justify himself, said, so who's my neighbor? In other words, who do I not have to be kind to? (laughs) And Jesus told this story about a man who fell among thieves And was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And down the road comes this fine upstanding priest. In all of his regalia. In all of his piety. And he sees the man. And he passes by on the other side. And then a Levite. Another upstanding man. Religious man in his community. Comes, sees the man. Passes by on the other side. And then Jesus gets to this point in the story. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. That is a picture of kindness. It's it's a perfect outline for what kindness looks like. And, And by the way, by the way, for a Jew of that time, Samaritans were the difficult people. Okay? Those two words, good and Samaritan, did not go together. Nope. This was shocking, this story would be, to those who were hearing it. They were, the, they were the outcasts. They were the half-breeds. They were considered traitors for what they had done historically to the Jewish people. And so they were, just, they were like persona non grata kind of a thing. 
And so when Jesus tells this story, he's telling something that just gets everybody's attention. He says, this is kindness. This is kindness. First, notice the needs of the people around you. He says, when he saw him, he took the time. He noticed him. He saw him. One of the first things about being kindness is just being aware of and taking notice of the needs of the people around you. Have you ever been in a restaurant where the, where the server is so busy waiting on so many tables, you keep trying to get their attention, but they're so busy, they're focused on the next table that they have to get to, and they don't even pay any attention to you? You ever had that happen? I'm the only one. Yeah, sure. Okay? No, we get so busy, we get so focused that we don't... To, to notice the needs of the people around us, you've got to slow down. You've got to start paying attention. So he stops and he, and he sees him, but he does more than that. He doesn't just see and notice his need. What he does is he sympathizes with him. Then that's the second thing, sympathize with your pain. It says, when he saw him, he took pity on him. It's not enough just to see people. It's, it's get down with them. Take part in their pain. Learn to listen. And then the next thing it says, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He did first aid. And, and the point there is this. Do what you can when you can. It's that simple. Notice the people and their needs around you. Sympathize with them and then do what you can when you can. And then the last thing is be willing to be inconvenienced. Because it goes on. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which meant he was going to have to walk now. Brought him to an inn. And took care of him. If you're going to take the time. If you're going to slow down to be patient. If you're going to take the time to be kind. It is going to be an inconvenience. I'll tell you that up front. But it is an expression of love. That's what he did. Now he brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. He arranged for the long term help. And that's what he did. So I know. Let me give you a few kind of final thoughts. All right, Because I know the questions that are up in your mind. Because they're the same questions that I have. There are questions that go like this. But aren't there limits to all of this? I mean, isn't there a point? Where, I mean, after all, we can't do everything for everybody. Aren't there limits to what we can do? And, and, and I don't want to be codependent. You know, I don't want to be an enabler. Um, maybe I'll get taken advantage of. I know you have all those questions. So let me answer them for you. Yes, there are times when there are limits. There are limits. There are limits when somebody is, is destroying their own life by their addiction. It's a time for tough love. It's a time when patience needs to be acted upon in a different way. If someone is an alcoholic who is destroying his family, it's a time for tough love. If there's a difficult person on the job that makes the whole work environment hostile for everybody, there's a time for an intervention, okay? But here's the thing that I want to say about it. The patience that God gives you is a patience that lets you suffer a little bit longer than you would otherwise. Because here's the thing. If you come to the end of your patience because it's just inconvenient for you, you've quit too soon. That's where you need the strength of God to take it just a little bit longer. Yes, there is a possibility of being abused. Yes, there is a possibility of being taken advantage. Yes, there is a possibility of enabling somebody in their addictions. But here's the thing. Don't quit too soon the general rule of thumb would be this whatever would be most helpful for that person not just because it's inconvenient to you but what would be helpful to them 
That's the end. And the other thing is, yes, you can only do so much. There's only so many people you can help. So you do what you can do when you can do it. If you read on the rest of the story, the Samaritan didn't take him home to live with him for the rest of his life. He didn't, he didn't stop. His, he went, went on his business eventually. He did what he could when he could. See, because sometimes here's what happens is we think I can't help everybody. And what ends up happening is we help nobody. You know, I can't do it for everybody, so I'm just not going to do it for anybody. And I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, listen, don't, don't live. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. So do for one what you wish you could do for everyone because ultimately there is a purpose to all of this. There is a purpose to patience and kindness. It is the purpose that God showed us in his patience and his kindness with us. That he is constantly patient with me. He's consistently kind to me. Even when I mess up, even when I blow it big time, he doesn't give up on me. The purpose The purpose for love, the purpose for kindness, the purpose for patience is redemption. It's redemption. Peter wrote to a a group of believers who were suffering greatly because of their faith under the persecution. And they were asking him and they were saying, is the second coming, is that for real? When is it that Christ is going to come and and, and set things right? When is is justice finally going to come? And they were beginning to wonder if it was ever going to happen. And this is what Peter wrote to them. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. And then he gets, here's the reason for his patience. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. Bear in mind, our Lord's patience means salvation. And that is the ultimate purpose by living by the rule of love. To be able to bring salvation, to be able to bring redemption, to be able to bring new life to somebody else. And when you create that space and you let God do that work, He can bring about those results. Do you bow your heads with me? True patience, true kindness, true love are expressions of God's redemptive love. So I'd like to wrap up this whole thing this morning asking you this question. Who is that difficult person in your life? Who is the person that came to mind when you raised your hand earlier? Could it be? Could it be the reason that God has put that person in your life is for you to show patience, to show kindness? I believe so. Maybe it's not a difficult person. Maybe it's a a family member dealing with an addiction. And you've just been getting to the point where you just want to write them off. Never going to change. Or somebody's just not living up to your expectations. And you just say, you know what? I don't even want to deal with you anymore. Maybe that's the very person that God wants you to show patience and kindness to. So I want you to think about that person. And then what I want you to think about is how might you this week show them kindness? How might you demonstrate patience by an act of kindness? 
And then the big question is, are you willing to do that? I know it's going to be difficult. You're not going to be able to do it in your own strength because everything within you wants to do something else. But if you are willing, God will give you the strength. Man, I would love the opportunity to pray for you today. And if there is that someone in your life that you're willing to write off and wanting to push away, but God is speaking to you to say, no, be loving, be patient, be kind. And you are willing today to say, God, I will do that. I can't do it on my own, but I need your strength. I need your power. I would love the chance to pray for you. Would you just do something very simple? We do this every weekend. Would you just raise a hand and say, me, that, I got one of those difficult people. Yeah, I'm dealing with one of those. Yeah. Oh, man, all over. Some of you got two hands up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, 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 yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah. Imagine, imagine what God could do through that relationship. You may not see the results right away. But don't give up. Give God space to work. Let me pray for you. God, would you, would you give us the strength, the endurance, the patience to be able to truly love like you love? All over this auditorium, people have put up hands. They've got those people in their life, probably more than one. Would you this week show us one way that we might be kind and, and express kindness to them? Would you somehow this week use that relationship to build space for you to work? And would you give us the strength to be able to follow through? We pray it in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you're here and you're far from God. You're far from God because you've been doing it your own way, living it your own way, doing your own thing. And maybe you're at a point where you think, God couldn't possibly love me. God gave up on me a long time ago. Here's the thing. He will never give up on you. He has been pursuing you with his love all of your life. And you can experience his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. You can experience his love today. And it's just simply admitting your need. Admitting your rebellion, admitting your sin, and just asking for his forgiveness. That's why Christ went to the cross and died for you. He paid the ultimate price, showed you his ultimate kindness and love so that you could be forgiven, redeemed, restored. And today, you can take a first step of faith by just simply acknowledging your need, asking for his forgiveness, and trusting your life in his hand. And if you're here today, and for you, that is a first step of faith but you're willing to take it. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand, and when you do, look up also and catch my eye because I want you to know I'm acknowledging you and I'm praying for you. Is there anybody taking a first step of faith today? All right. Yeah. I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer. Lord, here I am. My faults, my failures, my rebellion, my sin. Lord, I can't undo it. I just need your forgiveness. Would you, by your grace, forgive me, restore me, give me that new life. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. Yeah.